Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 16 and 17. We're going to begin our reading at chapter 16, verse 29, and read through chapter 17, verse 6. Our focus tonight will be on chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning at verse 29. What we hear now is God's word. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it's as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, and to, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In the days of Hiel of Bethel, built Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of Aviram, his firstborn, and set its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Seguv, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Joshua, son of Nun. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Galilee, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kerit, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kerit, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are in that section of God's word often referred to as the Elijah cycle, that part of the book of Kings where we hear about the work of the prophet Elijah. Well, we saw last time that this was an age of apostasy among the people of Israel. It was a time of Ahab, the wicked king. Ahab, who takes his wife not from among God's people, but goes outside the people of God and marries the daughter of Ethbaal, marries Jezebel. We saw that Ahab set up Baal worship in the capital, in Samaria. Now, we know that earlier there had been images set up at Dan and at Bethel, but these were to be images of the true God. Ahab now goes beyond that and sets up a false god in his capital. 
And we read last time how in his days, Bethel, uh, excuse me, Hill, Hill of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. Jericho, that city that was to be left unbuilt as a reminder, as a reminder that the gifts of God come by the grace of God. And now, during the time of Ahab, this, this reminder is being taken away, a time of apostasy in the life of Israel, a time of a turning away from righteousness to unrighteousness. It is at this time that the prophet Elijah appears. A prophet who we will see throughout these stories will live and die according to the word of the Lord. Elijah, the prophet of God, who declares and follows the word of God. Verse 1. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Galilee, said to Ahab, it's a time of apostasy, and Elijah just sort of appears on the scene. We really don't know much about him or much about where he came from. We know nothing of his family. He's not introduced to us as Elijah, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, came to Ahab and said. We don't know where he comes from. We don't know who his family is. We're not exactly sure where he was from. He's described as Elisha the Tishbite of Tishbe in Galilee, not the best translation. He was just a dweller in, in Gilead. Gilead was a fairly big region. We don't know exactly where he is from. He just appears on the scene. Don't know his parents. Don't know his hometown. Suddenly, Elijah is just there. We really know nothing of his prophetic calling. There are some prophets who we, we get a glimpse into how they were called. We think of the prophet Isaiah, who was brought into the throne room of God. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he's, a, he's afraid because he's a man of unclean lips. And an angel takes a coal from the altar and touches his lips to cleanse him, to make him the mouthpiece of God. We have nothing with that, with Elijah. We think of Jeremiah and his calling where the hand of God actually touches his mouth to prepare him to speak God's word. We have nothing of that with Elijah. He just shows up. Well, we do know a little about him. We know his name. His name is Elijah. And that, that name might give us more than we think. Names, as you know, were significant in the times of the Bible. His name was Elijah. And kids, Elijah is actually a short sentence. His name is actually a short sentence. His name is made up of two parts. The first part, the Eli part, means my God. Eli means my God. And the last half of his name, the Yah part, Elijah, is a shortened form of the name of God. That name we sometimes translate as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Elijah's name means my God is Yahweh. My God is the God of the covenant, 
My God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. My God is the covenant-keeping God with his people, the God of power, the God of glory. A reminder to us that, that Elijah the man isn't so important, but the God who he speaks for is important. God is what is important to Elijah, speaking his word. He is a prophet of God, a prophet in the age of apostasy. A prophet who is sent to speak the word of the Lord. As I said, Elijah will live and die by the word of the Lord. He is the mouthpiece of God given to them to call them to repentance, to call them to change, to hear this powerful word of God, to repent and to return back to God. The power of God's word can accomplish even this in this age of apostasy. This is Elijah. This is the man. We don't know his parents, we don't know his hometown, but we know he is, my God is Yahweh. My God is the covenant God. Now Elijah, the Tishbite, a dweller in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. He comes with a powerful message to King Ahab. A message which is a word of judgment. There will not be dew, there will not be rain during these years. A word of judgment upon Ahab and upon the people. Again, sometimes we miss the significance of that. During these years. Now, we will sometimes go for weeks. We'll sometimes go for months without rain. But we haven't gone for years without the rains coming. Remember, these are people who are living in the desert. A desolate situation dependent upon the rains, dependent upon the dews from heaven. If there is no rain, if there is no dew for years, the plants die, the animals die, the people die. This is the word of judgment. This is the word, the powerful word that comes to King Ahab reigning in this time of apostasy. What is interesting about this word, this powerful word, is it seems to come by Elijah's choice. And this is what I mean by that. We don't read about God saying to Elijah, go to Ahab and say, there will be no rain or dew. doesn't say that. In fact, the first thing we hear about the Lord saying is the next verse. And then the word of the Lord came to him, and he speaks to his prophet. We know that there were times in the people, in the history of God's people, where he would leave the judgment, we might say, up to them. And it appears that's what's going on now. Elijah is coming with this word of judgment, this word from the Lord, but a word almost of his own choosing. We think of how this word is spoken about in the New Testament. Maybe make it yourself a note later to look at the book of James. James chapter 5, verse 17. We read there, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, 
and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, and heaven gave, gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. He prayed fervently it would not rain, and there was no rain. Elijah brings this word of judgment. There will be no dew, there will be no rain, except by my word for these years. I say it's a, it's a, a judgment somewhat left up to Elijah. But he brings this judgment based upon the word of God. A word that God had spoken earlier. Again, make yourself a note later to look up Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy 28, we read about the blessings and the curses that will come upon God's people. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. We read, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed you shall be in the city, and cursed you shall be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, and with drought, and with blight, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. The heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder from heaven. Dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Elijah brings this word of judgment based upon the word of God. God, you said this is what you would do if the people refused to follow you, and they are refusing to follow you. So based on God's word, he brings this word of judgment. There will be no rain, no dew for years. The word of judgment to God's people. A warning to them that the Word of God remains true forever. A warning for us as well. Our God is still a covenant-keeping God. He is so faithful to His Word of promise and His Word of blessing that if we follow after Him, we'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. I didn't read that portion of Deuteronomy 28. Read that later. But he's also faithful in his word of judgment. If we neglect to follow our God, he will be faithful to his word. So often when we find ourselves walking in our own ways, leaving the path God has laid out for us, we're surprised when things don't go well. 
We're surprised when our life starts falling apart. We shouldn't be surprised at all. God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his word of blessing. He is faithful to his word of judgment. And we see how, how this word of the Lord, this faithful word and this declaration by the prophet, all work together to bring judgment upon God's people. He, Elijah speaks the word, the word which God has promised, and creation obeys. There is no rain, there is no dew that happens in Israel. There's a connection between all these things. And there's a connection between the covenant people. Now, all of them are going to be affected by this lack of rain and this lack of dew. But we know, even though it was an age of apostasy, not all of them had left the Lord. In fact, we'll find out just a couple chapters down the road here that there were 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to the Baal. Did they get rain? Did they get dew? They did not. The people are together in covenant. What is a blessing for them is a blessing for all. What is a curse for them is a curse for all. And that's a frightening thought as well. We do not gather tonight as a group of individuals, but we gather as the body of Christ a body whom he has brought together, a people in covenant with him and in covenant with each other. Walk in the way of disobedience. We must beware that God not bring judgment on all. We are together a covenant people, the body of Christ before him. Blessing comes to all. For Israel, curse came to all the judgment to all, even though 7,000 had not bowed the knee. Elijah comes with this powerful message of judgment, and yet the message ends this way. There will be neither dew nor rain these years except, except by my word. Even this word of judgment is followed by a word of grace by a word of hope. There won't be dew or rain except by my word. This is not the final judgment. Wipe you out. No, this is not the final judgment like there was of Sodom and Gomorrah when fire and brimstone rained down on them. This is a word of judgment more like what came to Nineveh. Unless you repent, all these things are going to happen. And what happened in Nineveh? They There's gospel here. Even in this word of judgment, there will be no dew, there will be no rain, except, except at my word. And that same gracious word comes to us tonight. Yes, God does come to us with a word of warning. If we are living in a way that is not following his path, if we are pursuing the path of apostasy, beware, for the warning of God comes. But with that warning comes the word of hope. 
that if we turn, if we repent, God will be faithful to his promise. He will be faithful to his word of forgiveness toward us, his people. To turn back to him and his son, Jesus Christ. To know the assurance of salvation. Our sins are washed completely in him. And to follow after There will be no life except what happens. After him, now God speaks to him, to Elijah. And hide yourself by the brook Karit, which is east of the Jordan. Elijah lives and dies by the word of the Lord. And God comes to him, and God speaks to him, and says it's time to depart and to go east of the Jordan. There are some who before Ahab or Jezebel. I don't believe that's what's going on here. God is certainly able to protect his prophet from Ahab and Jezebel. But his leaving Elijah and then that word is the word is taken outside of the promise. As a part of the judgment. there, and he went and he did according to the word of bread and meat. Moved the severity of the When he removed chapter one, he deliberately continued to walk but yet he keeps the grace alive. He does not allow Elijah to be taken up to heaven at this point. Removed. Himself. Even when we have lived in ways that are displeasing, his word of grace is so powerful. But if we but turn one him, he brings a word of judgment connected with that latent life 
foreshadowing. Of the work of Jesus Christ, the Word of He did what Elijah could not do. Elijah could come and declare the law. Jesus Christ came and the of our new life to us. A removal. Our priest, the one who we spoke about this morning, Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate, the Word that we celebrate this Christmas season, that Word. with the word of grace. With aid embrace the word of that would him? No rain. A picture of both go here, here. Our God, we praise you. In the Old Testament, that teach the way with your people. And judgment. To your word and promise. Hearts here who. God who continues that grace, that hope of word, and that you would by day speak to live for you. Hear our prayer, O oh God, to thank. To ninety five. I see.